At the end of your life, what will be your legacy? What will you leave behind for future generations? For the world, join the world messenger, Isabella Lundberg, each week as she brings you a new distinguished guest from the business, sports, or entertainment world to share their success, their struggles, and their lessons. They will share their insights into current hot topics that affect everyone. Isabella facilitates an intimate, vulnerable environment to find the true value of humanity and real leadership. Are you ready for your legacy? The legacy that matters? Hello, hello, my beautiful friends. It's Isabella here, the world's messenger, inviting you for another epic episode of Legacy Leader Show. And guess what? We are going straight to Dubai today, and we're going to have a chance to speak with someone who I absolutely cannot wait to share his wisdom. He's originally from Guyana. He built an amazing business there, one of the youngest, fastest growing CEOs, and his company's already making footprint, not only in Africa, Middle East as well, and other parts of the world, which he will share with us. He won so many accolades and awards in leadership and performance and as youngest CEO. In addition, he's strategic advisors and you advisor, and you guys know how much I love strategic advising. And guess what? He's strategic advisor for Royal Family in UAE. So without further ado, let me introduce you to Farouk Kalian. Farouk, how are you? I'm doing great. How are you doing? Such an honor to be on your show. Uh, likewise, Farouk. Absolute great uh, to have you with us. And I'm just thrilled to depict so many things for someone so young as a CEO with great global footprint. So before we deep dive in, just tell me, how did you grow up in Ghana? I love Ghana. I had a chance and privilege to work with Africans on so many different uh, occasions. And I'm curious to learn a little bit more of current state as well, your upbringing for also everybody watching and listening to learn a little bit about you. Good, Isabella, I'm happy that you, you, you love Africa already. Um, growing up in Ghana was 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 very interesting. Um, it has always been. I I was born to an entrepreneurial parents. My father has his own business. My mother had hers. So as a baby or a, a child growing up, I saw how my parents were always on the move. You wake up early in the morning. They are dressing up. They are always, you know, seem to be pushing. A, a, a particular agenda, which which we all saw as kids, um, one that is able to put food on the table, one one that is also to be able to serve a greater cause, and also be able to be a shining example to us as kids. For me, I took every single trait of my father. My father is very entrepreneurial. He's a workaholic of a sort. He's always on the move. And because my parents were always on the move, it also created room for us to live with our relatives and, you know, friends of our parents, which also helped me to also develop my adaptability skills. So growing up was, was very, very broad based. I, I sampled a lot of cultures around Ghana and it actually helped me to broaden my scope in terms of adaptability and how I see things. So growing up in Ghana was very exciting for me. And I, this is where I also honed my entrepreneurial skills. 
That is fantastic. And obviously you've been working on multiple different projects across Africa. You've been touching Liberia, which I had a privilege to work a couple of lawyers and librarians who immigrated um, as refugees to uh, United States, but also different business leaders. And also you've been working in Gambia, Sierra Leone, and for everybody that never really had that exposure, I feel like it's such a different rhythm Things are very different there in terms of speed. We always joke around, everything is in African time, (laughs) (laughs) which might be five hours from now, or it could be literally right on the time. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, pardon us for that. (laughs) Yeah. So um, Liberia, Sierra Leone, I mean, when... um, Seven years ago, when I got the opportunity to work with the the first family of of Gambia, um, it it was one of the experiences that I I cherish because it actually, you know, broadened my spoke, my perspective about Africa, Africa. It took me to certain corridors that really, you know, brought to bear the potential of Africa. So once that opportunity closed, I didn't hesitate to really also go into different territories, particularly Liberia and Sierra Leone which were considered very small economies. They also, you know, had certain similarities with Gambia, which was also a smaller economy. So I developed an interest for smaller economies. I felt like they needed more, they needed more support. So delving into Liberia and Sierra Leone was very exciting for me. It has been to date one of my toughest, you know, agendas, particularly because they are small. Like you mentioned, things are a bit slow. They are coming out of war. But I didn't go with a mindset of losing. I went with a mindset of helping, you know, as a collective work with the system to be able to accelerate the development of those countries. So as much as it was tough, it was very exciting. It also developed my patience. It also helped me, you know, strengthen my my character as an individual and as a business person. Um, Look, Liberia holds very great potential, even when it comes to the green economy, agriculture. It has six months of rain pattern. Sierra Leone also has same. So it's it's these countries actually help me to really appreciate Africa more, and. I am very happy that I've, I also contributed significantly to the to the economic advancement of those countries, particularly in the agricultural space, supply of, of machinery, um, helping the Poultry Farmers Association of Liberia to be established, ensuring that they become very profitable, ensuring that they are very, you know, cooperative as, as, as a grouping, and also even in the area of housing, contributing as a principal consultant to the biggest housing you know, project in Liberia. Uh, we also did some work in mining, even in, at the River Cess area. We, so I, I, I'm very confident. And every time I'm seated at a table where the conversation is about Africa, I don't hesitate to push Liberia to position Sierra Leone as well. And it's exciting. I always encourage my colleague entrepreneurs to look, Africa is big. Enjoy the process, the delve into different economies, you don't sit in Ghana alone and, and, and become an entrepreneur. The opportunities are vast. Two hours away, you are in Liberia. Three hours away, you are in Sierra Leone. So in my Pan-African mindset, I'm actually advocating for a lot of people. I'm converting a lot of Ghanaian entrepreneurs into Pan-African entrepreneurs. And it's been an exciting journey so far. 
That is wonderful. And I am super excited to hear how collaboration is happening between neighboring countries, but also um, seeing a progressive way of thinking, because as you said, it's a lot of resources, a lot of opportunities, opportunities for growth and social economic advantages to really help develop Africa so that it can be self-sustainable in many avenues, right? And really give quality of life to people. And looking at this from ESG standpoint and social responsibility, I feel like it's a great to bring certain technologies, but also still do it in environmental friendly avenue. And as you mentioned, agriculture and these different industries, you bring in also interesting, um, you bring in energy, you bring in fintech, you bring in so many components to it. And if you don't mind sharing, um, what do you see? How you, what are you projecting in the next five to 10 years to take a place? Well, Per projection, I think Africa holds holds the mantle when it comes to a global economy. Um, most of the resources that drives the global economy is situated in Africa, and Africans are becoming increasingly aware of the potential it holds. And governments are sitting um, with with private sector stakeholders to ensure that we close ranks to work in synchrony and be able to harness this opportunity. If, if you take a casual look at the African continent, the last couple of years has seen much more cohesion than before. Um, even within the continent, in terms of even my advocacy, beyond that, I see a lot of you know, investment crisscrossing the continent. People are beginning to appreciate that one, once we honest the continent from a collective standpoint, understand that we, we have the biggest youth population, uh, we, we have one of the biggest, you know, population over a billion is quite significant. And also, if you look at a trend, global giants, tech giants are positioning themselves in Africa. Google is already here. Facebook has announced their presence already. Twitter is here. Elon Max is constantly mentioning Africa in his conversation. So it tells you we are not even the next bounce of the ball. The ball is here in our hands and it's in the interest of any economic manager or any business giant to identify and also inculcate an African strategy into their overhaul strategy. So yes, Africa is here. We, we hold the mantle in driving the global economy. We are becoming increasingly aware and governments are strategically you know, developing policies that will ensure that we attract the necessary investment. We are not only looking at attracting investment, we're also looking at local capital mobilization where we let our businesses understand that look, we can look within the continent whilst we are wasting for investment. Once we look within the continent, there's enough resources flying around. Once it's honest and channeled into the right direction, we, we will take our place in the global economy and it, we cannot be avoided, trust me. I, I believe you and I totally trust you and in this assessment and it's so fantastic to hear not only enthusiasm but such a uh, great knowledge and spectrum of things you've been being involved and also now you're being involved heavily in Middle East and one of the most progressive in terms of development and innovation and transformation which are my favorite three words <laughs> which is happening in UIE. In, and specifically in Dubai. So what led you, first of all, how did you build your business and how that business led you to Dubai? So I've, 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 I've closely monitored Dubai even before I went there six years ago. Um, I've actually 
read through the, 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 the development principles, the strategies, and the ideologies of His Royal Highness Sheikh Rashid. And I, I identify with that. Look, in the last 50 years, 50 years ago, Dubai wasn't even close to Africa. And interrogating their strategy and their journey, there was a point where Dubai even came all the way to Nigeria to source for funds and, and expertise. So it tells you development is very intentional. Um, they've done it impeccably well. So I've always cherished the idea of being in Dubai. And once I went into Dubai, I didn't go as a tourist. I went as an African who's here to announce his presence in the UAE. So right there, I aligned my relationships. My vision was very clear. I'm not here as a tourist. I'm here to really understand how you people develop. So in terms of knocking on certain corridors, certain doors, I was very specific. One strategic relationship that helped me to really establish in UAE was with, Al um, with Saud Al-Balhoud, who was very instrumental in building the Dubai, the Dubai NASDAQ. He's a financial engineering expert. Um, he walked me through the process. He took me through right from the scratch of how Dubai was developed. So through this orientation, I, I understood the Dubai economy. I understood that, yes, I have a place here. Dubai also has a tab on Africa. So gradually, I became the go-to person when it comes to understanding the African continent. And immediately, I started to build relationship between African economic managers and to some, you know, some deep pockets, people who manage certain envelopes. So we created the relationship between Africa and the UAE. It went beyond UAE. It extended right to, to Qatar and Saudi Arabia because I told myself I cannot be in Dubai and not go into Saudi Arabia to assess the opportunities there. So I, I focused quite significantly in relationship building and also being able to educate myself through the network that I had and I have no regrets. Um, today, I sit and advise the Royal Family Office in the UAE, and it all geared towards closing ranks between Africa and the UAE, because in terms of revenue mobilization, resource mobilization, Africa, like I always said, is a very strong stakeholder. So in the last six years, from the time I announced my presence in the UAE till date, it's, it's been an impeccable array of relationships, great handshakes, transfer of resources, even in terms of moving resources from raw materials from Africa to the UAE, has been quite a progressive journey and is exciting. What's more exciting is what lies ahead, and I have no regrets in establishing my presence in the UAE. Sure. That is amazing journey. And I love your enthusiasm, courage, and also willingness to put yourself and transform yourself, put yourself in very different environment. And then very quickly, as you pointed out, uh, get a pulse of what's going on, how you can serve, how you can be of the value. And as a result, as they say, rest of his history, uh, I mean, to be advisor on such a high level for royal family uh, and royal family office, it's not only just the honor and privilege, but also speaks so highly of who you are as an individual and your character, your accomplishments, as well as obviously expertise. So you won so many awards <laughs> from Fatora uh, rewards, from uh, top 50 young CEOs of 2020, 
you've been also been in uh, one of the youngest EU CEOs in, from Ghana. Uh, then you've been uh, considered for so many different things, 40 under 40 as a consultant. And uh, I mean, obviously that subject matter expertise is amazing. For everybody that are trying to figure out what their subject matter expertise are and how they can serve or just simply how to elevate themselves and be of the value in ways that you have been, uh, what would you advise? Well, I, I, I think it starts with having a big opinion of self. Once, once you have a big opinion of yourself, your conversations change. The sort of material you read changes. The, what gets your attention changes. The sort of calls you respond to changes. So it starts with the self. Um, starting off, I, I, I looked around, I said, look, I, have a, I looked at my character traits, um, the passion that I have, the self-belief that I have, and it informed my decision to move in a certain direction. Um, it's difficult to attract me with certain conversations. And it got to a point where even my immediate circle started on figuring that I'm a problem. And I said, no, I'm not a problem. The concern is that I'm trying to go into a certain direction and certain conversation is what is going to take me there. Yes, a few times there's time for, you know, hobby conversations, casual conversations, but I make sure it doesn't take all my time. So it starts with the self. Once you, once you start having a big opinion of yourself, like I mentioned, you become very intentional. Growth is intentional, you know, so you become deliberate in the relationships you build. You analyze people before you get into their space, before you answer their calls, before you even initiate certain conversations. So like I always emphasize self-belief, opinion of self is very critical and also be disciplined. Um, also understand that things take time. It doesn't happen overnight. Um, build your patience level. Um, every no should take you to your next, every no that you have is taking you to your, your possible yes. And be resilient. I, I, I remember one time I, I had a meeting in the UAE. Once I walked into the office, everybody's like, oh, the man that sent 50 emails is here. So it tells you, you don't stop till the job is done. You keep going, be consistent. Um, I think one of the things that I, has gave me a lot of traction is consistency. My narrative hasn't changed. It's been a positive outlook about Africa. I consistently trumpet that. And it gave me a lot of traction. People begin to understand that, oh, this is somebody who loves Africa regardless. So consistency is, is a key factor in, in your self-development process. And that is what I keep trumpeting, be consistent, identify a particular cause. I chose Africa. I chose the positive side of Africa, regardless of the negative commentary. I chose to rehash the positive side of Africa. And I kept going, it gave me a lot of traction and all that traction translates into great business relationships, great enterprises. And today I'm sure that my journey is one that inspires a lot of people. So that is all I have to say. <laughs> <laughs> I love your passion and I love your delivery. And it's so beautifully eloquently uh, shared with our listeners here and people that are also watching and part of the obviously legacy leadership. And this will not be the legacy leadership if we're not discussing legacy, right? Uh, but in, the, in, in terms of leadership, obviously, those amazing traits of leader, someone who is so crystal laser focused, knows where it's going, has a great vision. It's not going to give up till he gets there. 
And also, as you said, it's going to uh, start with your own self, how you insert, how you show up, who you are. And I love you mentioned resiliency, as well as focusing on positivity. And you know, Farouk, we have plenty of negative news all around the world. What's going on in Europe? What's going on in the Middle East? What's going on in North America and other parts of the world? And I love that we can still rise above and not only just these types of conversations, but also behind the scene, how we show up how we unite, how we bring um, the right players at the table, how do we have right conversations and focusing on solutions, right? So from that global perspective, do you mind sharing some of the solutions that obviously you've been involved in solar and real estate and mining, all kinds of different industries, but where do you look at not only just from technology standpoint or innovation or transformation, where do you think huge opportunities rising right now um, for others to really start taking positive strides and leading the way. Well, Isabella, I think I think um, immediately I was zoning on technology because if, if you look at Africa's um, infrastructure, you know, lapses, technology is able to address that. Um, recent times, I tell people, even African youth that look, this is the best time to be an entrepreneur. This is the best time to start an enterprise because technology is bringing a lot of these opportunities at your fingertips. Right from your phone, you are able to have a Zoom meeting. You are able to have a call, put about four or five people. Um, I, I, I've been able to have quite a number of my board meetings remotely. And I tell young people, technology is here. Africa has the numbers. We have the biggest population in terms of youth. We have the biggest numbers when it comes to mobile phone penetration. M-Pesa, which is a mobile payment platform in, in Kenya, has proven to be a global phenomenon. We have big tech giants coming into Kenya to understand the success story of M-Pesa. So as much as we, we found lacking when it comes to infrastructure, Technology is breaking down all these boundaries for us. So technology is, is a wonderful opportunity for us. It's not by accident that Google is positioning itself in Africa, Facebook, Twitter, they are all you know, directing their energies towards Africa because when it comes to technology, numbers is very critical. And a lot of investments are looking at the fact that from a dashboard, I'm able to analyze my investment direction, where my money is going what are the numbers are looking at. So you have investors sitting remotely in the Middle East from their laptop, they're able to understand where the investment is going, how the business growth pattern is. So a lot of funding is going into that direction. Africa in terms of position is rife, we are ready. Like I mentioned, mobile phone penetration is at an all time high. It beats the numbers anywhere in this, in this world. So once, we are taking all the boxes when it comes to what technology seems to present. The opportunities are there. Now you find farmers remotely being able to analyze weather patterns to grow their crops, to position their markets, to even identify which kind of crop to plant. So it, it is rife now. Policy framework, um, we have, we have um, managers of economy every now and then tweaking their technology policies to embrace people in that space. Coding has become very simple. 
through the click of a button, young people are being are able to code. AI has come. I tell people AI is a blessing to Africa because it has broken down all the technology, you know, bottlenecks, headaches for young people to be able to do things. Recently, I I I I I got on board a young individual into my company in Uganda, and I was having a conversation with him. And he seemed to be able not to be so confident about the role. And I realized that, look, I sat him down. I said, get yourself a laptop, go on, get on the computer. I'm giving you a week. These are the topics I want you to enter into, your, into a YouTube channel and be able to get information with regard, regards to any topic. Five days ahead, this young man came back and he was speaking like an expert. So I tell young Ghanaians and young tech individuals in Africa, we cannot miss out on this opportunity. I'm also telling investors, you cannot miss out on this opportunity. We've become technology inclined. There's a lot of scenarios that has proven that Africa embraces technology more than anywhere else in the world. When it comes to mobile payments, we've embraced it. When it comes to even penetration in terms of presence on social media, we are heavily there. We have a voice there. So this is the time for anybody who wants to invest in Africa. Even the fact that I'm mentioning tech, it doesn't limit you to just you know, devices. There's tech in agriculture, there's tech in energy, there's tech in, in construction, there's tech in mining. So once you have embraced tech, it allows you to harness all the opportunities in these various sectors. So I would like, I would zone in exactly on tech because it allows you to break down the challenges, the bottlenecks on every sector of, of Africa's economy. That is brilliant. And I can't agree more because all the transformation stems 90% from obviously some type of technological infrastructure, of infrastructure and implementation. And I love what you are actually sharing with the audience that is not maybe aware of actually what, what's going on currently in Africa and how progressive and uh, expensively growing, fast growing, not only implementation utilization, but you just said readiness of workforce. And we are struggling. And I'm here, here in United States and I'm very much so keeping pulse of those all giants that you mentioned and more what's going on with their environment what's going on with the people skill sets are upscaling and as you mentioned AI I love that things are going to be faster happening right they're not necessarily going to take away human touch and need but it's going to help us to be much more efficient and do things better and quicker uh, in so many ways we never thought it was even possible so sure. Hear how much you're embracing AI and how much is already AI embraced in Africa. It's just a great reflection because, believe it or not, Farouk, we still have a lot of C-suite executives that are on the fence. Not only should we use it or how should we use it, protocols, governance, regulations, but they're also stuck because they don't have innovative, transformative a thought leadership mindset, and you have to have that, right? So do you elaborate a little bit about that? How did you build that? Because I can identify already that's the case with you. And then how this served you to be on such a big platform impacting uh, so many currently, and of course, generations to come. Well, it, 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 takes, it, takes, it takes a lens to see opportunity. It takes a lens to see opportunity within chaos. 
it, it takes a certain lens to 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 see that when things go left at a point they'll come to left to right positioning positioning um, even when you look at even um, recent issues with stock markets you know falling when when the market goes down it's also an opportunity for you to get in because a lot of people are getting out it creates a vacuum for you to fill so it is just borders on being able to stay positive in terms of every scenario and those CSU executives who are sitting on the fence I tell people if, if, if you're looking to get into a certain industry and you look, you're job hunting, another way to also get in is as a consultant. I take myself as an example. When I got out of the university, I targeted young CEOs who were excited about their jobs, but also have a passion to start their own companies. So I come to you and I say, look, I know you're sitting here nine to five, but what, what's gonna happen between me and you is, I know you have a certain idea you want to, also build on the side. I'm your guy. I'm not working anywhere. I'm a consultant. I will do all the legwork whilst you sit here. Every weekend, we can meet, develop a strategy for the week. I'm the guy who's going to be in the field, gather all the information so that whilst you are there building, working and contributing your quota to build an organization, I'm your side hustle guy. We can also build something on the side. So I, I, when people tell me there are no opportunities, I don't understand. You cannot tell me there are no opportunities anywhere. You are not looking hard enough. You are, not, you are just looking at a gloomy picture. Within a gloomy picture, it presents opportunities. So I'm, I'm the guy who's always hunting for opportunities. I'm looking for where the next bounce of the ball is. Okay, things have gone left. Definitely at a point it will come to right. Am I positioned on the right side? Am I building myself to a point where when the opportunities move to the right, I'm, I'm, I'm in the space? So it, it bothers, like it comes back to self. I want people to be strategic. I want people to understand that opportunities are endless. So much opportunities on this in, in this world. AI has brought another conversation about opportunities. You don't have to know it all. AI is going to complement what you know. Research through AI is going to help you gather enough information, faster, spot on, precise information to guide you. So I, I think that we should embrace whatever is coming to us in recent times. We shouldn't look at the negative point. I've, heard, I've had people question AI. They said it's, not, it's going to take jobs. I said, no, it's going to create more jobs. If, if you get out of a certain industry today you can pick a laptop through ai and also create another opportunity for yourself so it's it's about embracing opportunities within difficult times it's about using ai the tools of today to to develop yourself to create opportunities to create sectors to 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 dominate sectors to build to build a whole enterprise out of nothing so that is what I have to say. And I, I'm, I'm sure if, if there's enough time, I, I could go on and on about opportunities hunting <laughs> and we, we won't stop. <laughs> that is fantastic mindset again, and also great advice because people, as you've read, I've said a lot of times they're stuck in seeing all the bloom versus all the, all the po positive uh, blossoming things that they can partake, which also takes not only mindset, but also willingness to learn new skill set. 
So speaking of that, you have phenomenal repertoire or your skills, and you're constantly <laughs> obviously learning and growing. And I'm curious, what is left in your bucket list? And also always wanted to know from my guests here on Legacy Leader Show, you already created an insanely strong footprint by leading and also leading with your legacy. But now it's opportunity also to leave your legacy, right? And you already have that as well. And I'm curious, what would you like to be known and remembered by? Oh, I, I, I want to be known as, uh, as Farouk Kailan, the, the man who carried Africa on his shoulders everywhere he went, the man who consistently trumpeted Africa's potential, the man who created an army of young individuals who believed in Africa, the man who took Africa to the world, the man who took African brands and businesses to the Middle East and ensured that they became global giants, the man who represented Africa in the right light, the man who ensured that he kept Africa close to the conversation at the highest level, the man who ensures that investors who are coming into Africa are, are protected, are uh, 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 built in a way that they become Afrocentric. They don't, <laughs> they stay within the continent and ensure that the capital flight is mitigated. Um, Farouk Khalan, the man who kept Africa's conversation in the right light, in mm -hmm. a context where Africa's place in the world is significantly felt. So my legacy is Afri Afrocentric. My legacy is to create more Farouk Kailans, Farouk Kailans that become better and bigger than this Farouk Kailan. And Farouk Kailans <laughs> that will look at Africa and say, we have a place in this world. Our potential is not only limited within the world, within the Africa context. We have the entire global community to play with. I want to see Africans in Turkey, Africans doing well in China, Africans doing well in Europe, Africans doing well everywhere in, this, in, in, in the world. So that is the legacy I want to leave. And I'm sure I'm halfway there. And with such platforms like yours, with, with partnership with you, particularly Isabella, I'm sure that this legacy of mine, this passion of mine, will go into certain places that I, I, I never imagined. I love, I just have to say, Farouk, I conducted over 150 interviews and I asked this question and I never had anybody delivering as with so much passion, conviction and clarity, the vision of their legacy and why they're here to be so much on purpose as you did. First of all, kudos. And Thank this is you. a beautiful example for everybody watching and listening. This is how you lead. This is how you live your legacy. You have to live it first. And Farouk is living it. He's leading with that and he's already leaving it. And he's still here with us. It's not about when he passed away, but what he can do and continue, which is so amazing. And world's needs, you are totally spot on. More Farouks and we need more of that precise conviction and passion and energy so that everybody can benefit and also corral and make things happen. In closing, Farouk, if you could just give one piece of advice for leaders that are watching and listening or leaders that inspire to be on your level, what would you suggest where to start or what to do or what to be with one thing? I want leaders to lead with a soul. 
I want mm -hmm. leaders to lead with a purpose. When leadership comes from the soul, it's very considerate. It, con it considers other people's emotions. It considers other people's vision. It considers other people's limitations. And it also considers other people's strengths. So when you lead with a soul, you, you are leading from a point where you want to inspire the best out of people, not inspire the best out of yourself. It's, it's about bringing the best out of people, being able to understand and say, people might not have your traits, people might not have your strengths, people might also have their own strengths. And how do you honest their strengths towards bringing the best out of them. So I always tell people, let's lead with a soul. Let's lead from the back. Let's encourage people to bring the best out of themselves. Let's not be overly instructive. My leadership model across my offices, my workers call me, Mr. What do you think? Because I'm always asking my workers, I don't assume I know it all. I'm asking, so what do you think? What do you think? What do you think? And a couple of what do you think builds confidence in people. It means you are sorting opinion out of people comfortably, casually, and it makes it creates a very relaxed environment to get the best out of people. Less leadership come from a soul point. Once it's coming from the soul, it's very considerate, it's all embracing, and it's very collective in terms of development. So I like to end it here. Let's lead with a soul, leadership with a soul. I love it. Again, million thank yous for being guest on Legacy Leader Show. This is an amazing episode for everybody watching and listening. Guys, I hope you took a lot of notes. Uh, definitely wanted to just say again, million thank yous for being here with us. And, and if anybody wants to reach uh, to you learn about your companies, we'll make sure we include your company link. And so they can discover your amazing projects you're doing, which I cannot wait to partake in, but also cannot wait to have you back, Farouk. This is just beginning. And I look forward to seeing you back on Legacy Leader Show uh, down the road because a lot of exciting things are just about to happen. Thank you very much, Isabella. Um, I, I am very inspired by the work you do. We, we need such allies like you, very selfless, very all-encompassing, projecting the right types of leadership to the world. And it's, 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 it's quite an honor to be on your platform. It's one that I don't take for granted. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to Legacy Leader Show. If you enjoyed the content and had a positive experience, then please leave us a positive rating. In addition, Leave us positive review whenever you are listening on whatever platform there might be. Make sure your friends and family also know about the benefit and value that we provide and what we have to offer. Cheers.